Hey, Unfuckers, welcome into Show Notes. This is on the heels of the Peter Thiel episode. Thank you, everybody who responded. You know that we're doing these a little bit earlier than we than we used to so that we can keep our production schedule rocking and rolling. We do have a number of comments, though, so we'll get into them really quickly. Just to set the expectations for this week, I told you I'm working on something that's going to be a little bit longer and it's going to take me a little bit a little bit more research to get into because I, I want to do the right thing by it. So coming up this week, we have two shorter presentations just to make sure that we're keeping the feed active. One is a topical cream that I promised, and another one is a new fun palate cleansing feature. It's something I've had in the works for a long time and finally decided to pull the trigger. Got some help from some friends on this one to try and break it up a little bit and make it a little more fun and interesting. And I hope you enjoy it. It's a little slice of life, a little slice of history, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. For now... Let's jump right in to talk about the well-timed episode on billionaire fuckboy Peter Thiel. Now, I say it's well-timed because he just so happened to be in a couple of really big, prominent articles last week. And so I hope this wasn't seen as like an opportunistic hit piece. As you know, it takes me a long time to put some of these things together. It was kind of like a, you know, happenstance of this being a boiling point of you're simply the worst and something, of, you know, that I really wanted to get out on somebody that should have never amassed the power that he has. But also because he's funding so many high-profile candidates, it was uh, it was clear that it was gonna he was gonna get some attention. So, uh, not opportunistic. It was in the works for a little while. Read the Contrarian by Max Chafkin, which is again rather good. I don't think that you can really get to the heart of somebody who doesn't have a heart. So uh, Chafkin did, I think, as much as anybody could possibly do to kind of detail Teal's origin story. I was appreciative of that. Uh, but later in the book, I, I didn't really rely on many of his accounts. I went more to news articles to try and piece together, I guess you could, you know, as I was saying, like, what is Teal's worldview? And it, it aligned with a lot of the facts in Chafkin's book, but it, it just had a, a little bit of a different take on it. I think the Atlantic article did a really good job talking about where, where the book maybe doesn't really capture the full essence or takes a few liberties and leaps. I tried not to take those liberties and leaps, obviously, other than calling him a sociopathic man-child that wants to eat the world. That might be a leap because I'm not a doctor, but I just tried to be a little bit more on point when it came to what he does, what he stands for, what he funds, and why it's just so fucked up. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode, and I assume we'll get to it at some point, but I made a repeated faux pas throughout the show referring to his degrees from Stanford as Ivy League, for which I apologize. It is an elite school, but it is not technically an Ivy. Needless to say, I am grateful to our army of fact checkers. So, on with show notes. 99, how you doing today? 99 taking a sip of, sorry. Always the worst timing when I throw it over to you. <laughs> Literally couldn't, I had just <laughs> all coffee in my mouth. I'm good, a little tired. Yeah, for mm -hmm. good reason or no reason? Yeah, I took a trip upstate because one of my best friends got engaged and we surprised her. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it awesome. was fun. Yeah, it was a long drive home, though. It ended up taking, should have been about five hours, took about eight. And I drove. Yeah. Yeah, it was real bad. It was the worst. <laughs> but yeah. I'm I, here. You got me beat by a couple hours. Yeah, because <laughs> we, we took off, not upstate, but somewhere else and... Five up, six back, and it's just it, when you do it in a short period of time, it's it's punishing. Oh yeah, we were there for thirty six hours, like on the dot. Yeah. Makes me appreciate long haul drivers. I don't know how they do it. 
I really don't. My butt, my butt right? hurts so bad. I know. Like I, they must have like orthopedic seats or something. They must. <laughs> we have uh, we have a couple of long haul truckers out there. Yeah, the have, unfucker trucker. The unfucker trucker. Tell us, how do you do it? Maybe how we the need fuck to do you do it? Go fund me him a better seat. <laughs> I, or presumably he already has all the tricks to the trade That's and actually true. knows how to survive. Yes. But yeah, we could never do it. So hats off to you. All right. So let's get in. We have some general feedback. First one is from Aaron N who said, hey, hashtag 99. It's interesting listening to show notes with you two getting into the weeds. For the last few unfuckings on healthcare and media legislation are hard to get your head around if you don't live in the United States. I can I can certainly understand that. So Max, what do you think about the expectation that capitalism and the U.S. empire have five years left maximum at its current trajectory. Well, you know, when it comes to doomsday predictions and things like that, I, I tend to go back to Chris Hedges, whom, you know, I, I really like. And he's been talking about the collapse, the end of empire for longer than five years. And it seems like the the end is always nigh when you read him or or, or any of his class and ilk. But you know, only one exception that I'll take with this, because I don't it's impossible to predict the future. I mean, if Donald Trump wasn't the end of the fucking world, I don't know what was. But in terms of the end of the empire. OK, so let's parse this a couple ways. The end of empire and capitalism. I don't believe, as I've said before, that we live under a system of pure capitalism by any stretch of the imagination. As the dominant empire in the world, we do live under this inverted totalitarianism system that sees an oligarchy of corporate interests at the helm of both public policy and the economy. So how much longer does that construct, that economic and policy framework of the United States have left to be hegemonic? If I could, you know, I don't want to change your words or the intent of the question, but I don't think that we're going to witness the so-called collapse of this empire as much as we're going to see it begin to lose its hegemonic place in the world. That there will be other competing interests that are significant enough to challenge us in many different ways. And we've already seen this. I mean, we have other countries and, and other parts of the world that have longer lifespans, or they've got better health health outcomes, more stable currency, less poverty, those kind of things. So it really kind of depends on your metric as well. How long are we going to be the brute enforcer of the world? There's an argument to be made that that's already kind of, that chapter's coming to a close, and the only people that don't realize it are in power right now. So I don't think it's a, like a collapse, like we've seen empires collapse before. And when when you look at it over the the long lens of history, it when it seems like the Roman Empire collapsed or the Ottoman Empire collapsed or any such empire in the past, it's always been none of these things happened overnight. There's contributing factors that lead to the decline, the demise, and then all of a sudden it's just in another way. If we want to look at anybody right now, I think it'd be very instructive for us to look at the UK. Because they're really in the throes, the sort of the last gasp throes of an economic empire. We've already, they've already lost their military might. They were the fifth largest economy in the world, recently overtaken by India. Now they're the sixth. 
And they really held on to that position and have held that position for so many years, first because of military might and colonialism and having the biggest navy. And then it was at least the, the European financial center of the world. Now it's it's not even the financial center of Europe. It's I would make an argument that it's really Germany in control of the EU. So that's a decline. That That's an empire over a long, steady decline in our lifetimes. But through the lens of history, that probably looked pretty abrupt. That's what I would expect to see from the United States. But we have a few more things going for us. One is an expansive territory and an expansive territory that will do better the more disastrous the climate becomes than a lot of other places in the world. We covered that in our military industrial complex episode or climate industrial complex episode. So we can probably hang on and be the world's preeminent power for much longer. Also, the fact that we have just decided to dedicate ourselves to being the biggest and most belligerent nation in perhaps uh, human history. These things will buy us some time. The real question to me is not whether capitalism will continue to thrive, because I don't think we live in a capitalist system, or whether or not the U.S. as an empire will continue to be the sole hegemon in the world. But what are the goals here? You know, what are we shooting for? Because if it's anti-poverty, save the planet, live a long, healthy, happy, peaceful, prosperous life, then... I don't think it's China. I don't think it's Europe. I don't think it's the U.S. There's probably different examples that we could look at. So it's a loaded question. The reason I spent so much time on it is because a lot of times we look for these very simple conclusions to very big, broad questions, and it's just never that direct. So I appreciate you writing in, Aaron, and I always appreciate hearing from you. And with that, let's get on to astro vandalism. Yes, yeah, so they said, hey, I'm back to apologize on behalf of Canada and probably Alberta. Read Jay O'Leary. Fuck, sorry about that. Unfortunately, there are a growing number of Canadians who are rejecting critical thinking and embracing quote, anti-woke libertarian populism, an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. The don't tread on me attitude has bled up here in a big way. And it's especially hot right now with the rise of Pierre Polyevre and as Trudeau faces an inquiry into his use of the Emergencies Act to end the truckers convoy in Ottawa, which I just all read like a robot. Sorry, my <laughs> brain's not working, but I tried three times before and it failed. We're not long haul truckers. <laughs> yeah. We're tired. So having a lot of unconnucker friends and family, it's something that we've actually spoken about for a lot over the last few years, and that is how... American conservatism, our brand of conservatism, has bled into the groupthink in in Canada. I'm not going to say across the board. Provinces like Alberta have traditionally been way more conservative. And one of the things that I think we do poorly in the States is we talk about Canada as a monolith. Like, it would be like speaking of the United States without mentioning that there are cultural dialectic differences between the north, the south, the east, the west, the, the rural parts versus the urban centers versus the suburban centers. Like once you begin to really parse the geography and all the disparate cultures and influences that we have here, particularly as we've been a nation of immigrants over the last 150 years or so, we have a lot of different influences that, that present in different ways in parts of the country. Well, it's the same for Canada. A lot of the the deliberate immigration to Canada has been attracting people from other countries. So if you go to Toronto, there's a tremendous Hindu influence and also Pakistani influence in Toronto. If you go out west, there's a tremendous influence from East Asia. 
you know, if you look at some of the suburban areas around Toronto, you know, so in, in the greater Ontario area, you still have a lot of Irish immigrants and Dutch immigrants and then things like that. So it, it's way more nuanced. And as we've said before on this show, they pay a lot more attention, whether some of it's performative or not. Bottom line is they pay a lot more attention to indigenous issues in Canada as well. So these things come up to the surface and really challenge whomever is trying to to take power of the entire country. And that's why somebody like Trudeau is always in such a tenuous position, because at any given moment, the, the pendulum could swing in the parliamentary system. But there is no question that, take Alberta, for example, that it has gotten only way more conservative as a result of the influence of American media and American companies coming there. There's no question that there are pockets within the suburban areas uh, surrounding Toronto that have become way more uh, culturally conservative as a result of it as well. You can see the rise in the prominence of the Ford family, for Christ's sake, the most ridiculous political family maybe ever, um, in, in North America at least, to just have staying power and stick around and, and influence things. So I don't like to just brush these uh, Canadian comments aside because there's so much rich nuance and heritage and astrovandalism, you do not have to apologize uh, about this. I 99, I assume this is in response to the review that we got. Was it a review or was it just a comment from the angry Canadian? Yeah, it was just some guy who was like, hey, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. We don't see a boot. Fuck your woke shit. And some other bad. Really. COVID and pronouns are bullshit. Right, right, right. All, all of and the we're things. whacked in the head. Yes, yes. So no need to apologize. If anything, it's us who should apologize to you for exposing you to all of our bullshit. You're definitely catching our cold. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so let's move on to Bo W. We'll split this up because Bo has a couple of really good ideas here. The first one is let them eat cake, but they gotta pay. Oh, these are ideas. These are topic ideas and inspirations from Bo W. The crusade by the right to end school lunch programs and other food stability programs for poor individuals, families, and communities. This could include a deep dive into the history of food stability programs, their historical impacts and costs, and how we should approach food as a human right in the future. So we touched on this in a couple of different episodes. The first is, I think actually it was in the immigration episodes where we talked about how the only welfare, quote unquote, federal welfare that undocumented workers qualify for in this country is school lunches. That's it. So... Forget everything that you've e literally everything that you've ever heard from Tucker Carlson on Fox or or any of the talking heads on Fox. None of the welfare benefits are apportioned to undocumented immigrants in this country, except for the school lunches. And with respect to that, what's really interesting is that those are federal programs that comes out of federal money. So whenever a state says you don't understand our pain, all of the welfare in the state has to go to supporting these undocumented immigrants. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't border communities that are not in crisis. There are. But on balance, remember, undocumented workers come to this country, they stay in those border towns for a cup of coffee, and then they go to their ultimate destinations, which they don't need flights for Ron DeSantis or fucking numbnuts from Texas. They don't need flights. They don't need buses. They come here anyway because we have the jobs and we treat people like fucking humans. So you don't need to participate in any of the, the caravans or convoys or use taxpayer money to send them here. They're coming here anyway. They're stopping into your stupid town, taking a shit, and then they're on their way to come here and actually have a real life where they can be appreciated by other thinking, feeling human beings. So go fuck yourselves first and foremost. Second of all, 
when they do come into the schools and they stay within your states, they're getting school lunches from federal programs. Okay? So I don't want to hear about it. You're fucking bullshit. I do think it's a really great program to talk about, though, because we know that food insecurity is a massive problem and that there are a number of poor people in this country whose children's only good meal of the day comes from school. And why the fuck would we be punitive and take that away from them? It doesn't make any sense. So love the topic. Thank you for that, Bo W. Maybe we will uh, actually get into that specifically. That could be like a topical cream at some point. I think. Yeah, I think so. And then one of the other ones Bo sent was a much deeper dive on the U.S. military and climate change. The U.S. Navy in particular is painfully aware of the impacts presented by rapid climate change. As a former employee at the U.S. Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island, I can assure you that top leaders at that institution and in the Navy in general do consider a huge threat, both at home and abroad, and are addressing the issue head on. The DOD has officially classified rapid climate change as a national security threat since 2004. Earlier this year, the U.S. Navy published its Climate Action 2030 strategy, and I will link that. Yeah, and I'm not... Did we? I think we used the 2030 action plan in the Climate Industrial Complex episode. So, uh, Bo W., if you haven't heard it yet, please do check out our Climate Industrial Complex episode and let us know if that covered a lot of what you're talking about. Everything you're saying right here is very familiar, makes me feel great, and that's why you know I love that we've read it out again, that we touched on the same themes that you experienced directly as an employee of the U.S. Naval War College. I found that report fascinating. I think we unearthed the very first naval report was from... The 90s? Yeah, it was from the 90s where they were predicting, I mean, almost to the year exactly what the fuck was going to happen. And most of their discussion was talking about how to build resiliency for all of the naval bases around the world, basically signaling to the rest of the U.S. military apparatus that, hey, we're going to be the front line of defense for this because of rising uh, sea levels. So really interesting stuff that came out of the Navy. And again, you don't have to be a fan of the military. You don't have to be. It, it, this has nothing to do with what you believe or don't believe about the military-industrial complex. The fact of this matter is they have been modeling it, and they look at it through a very rational lens. Their conclusions that they draw are fucking terrifying, but it's presented in such a non-emotional way that it it's even more terrifying, I guess. But it, it lends a lot of credibility to the data itself. And who else is going to actually fucking do this work and gather this data? I mean, they, this is part of their global threat assessment. And it is they've been on high alert literally since the 90s. And then obviously, as, as Bo W notes here since 2004. So moving on, his last one is I have a ton of other ideas, including FEMA disaster relief funding and the push at the FEMA level toward prevention mitigation efforts instead of a response recovery at the state and local levels and how absolutely fucked rural emergency services are. This is a really interesting take. And it is probably something that I should begin to do a little bit more work on because these big events are going to increase in frequency. And it's interesting how we're able to marshal some incredible federal resources for a moment. But then, you know, eventually they have to walk away. They just have to. And then we leave these communities to struggle and to recover on their own. 99 and I lived through, you know, a couple of them here in New York that absolutely laid to waste certain parts of the geography where we live. And even here, 
with some very, very well-funded and capable local resources, and then with the backing of FEMA and, you know, the all-important resiliency that was put into place around New York City and, and around the island of Manhattan in particular. Remember when Superstorm Sandy and all the, the tunnels were literally flooding, I mean flooding, which was like shocking and horrifying to everybody except the environmentalists that were like, yeah, no, I told you that was going to happen. We're on a fucking island. Anyway, even with all of that that we have going for us here in New York, the big events that we've had, and I'm going to say Superstorm Sandy, Irene, I lived through Gloria. Why are you calling that. it Superstorm? Superstorm Sandy. Hurricane. I thought it was classified technically as it was Hurricane Irene and Superstorm Sandy. I Maybe, but I've never heard anyone call it a Superstorm. Oh, let's look it up. Because remember be we right. talked about the Chris Christie, my favorite commercial? Superstorm Sandy. That's what it officially we're was. stronger than the storm. I'm telling you, yes. they all said Hurricane Sandy. Unofficially referred to as Superstorm Sandy. Unofficially referred to. So we can call it Hurricane Sandy, and I'm going to unofficially continue to call it Superstorm because that's what's baked into my memory. That's fine. It's okay. just funny. Sorry. I don't, I don't care. I think, I, you know, as a fan of alliteration and things in threes, Superstorm Sandy. Well, it sounds too Made fun. It, more fun. Yeah, yeah, it was like fun. a wasteland here. It was. It was so fucked up. I wasn't. I was in college, and um, they canceled class the next day, like when it started, and then it just drizzled. So we had a party. Woohoo! Yeah. When you came home, were you like, "Oh my god"? I probably wasn't home for a while, because what was that? September. Yeah. So I probably wasn't home till Thanksgiving. Mm. And, I mean, I remember talking to my family, who were like. It's a wasteland. It's like people are lining up for hours to get gas. What was crazy was going that. So down in the Rockaways, down on, uh, I think it was Long Beach, was part of Long Island. And then certain parts of Battery Park down in New York City. You would go from like everything being normal and you just drive like, I don't know, 10 blocks. And every, I mean, it just looked like the fucking, end, it looked like end times. Obviously, I remember, I mean, I actually lived in Manhattan on 9-11 and that I had the exact same experience where it was just like everything up here normal and then utter devastation, just just black and white. And obviously how long that took to recover. So you imagine these rural parts of the states where shit just doesn't come back. I went to New Orleans two years after the levees broke. I think it was two, maybe three years. And half of the areas the that we Zeppelin toured were still. Hmm? That what the Led Zeppelin song's about? Which song? When the levee breaks. Probably not. I know, but. But it. It was an Whatever it thought. was. <laughs> they probably ripped it off. Wow. Yeah, I did that again. Okay. So. Anyway, I, it was like two, three years after. Uh, um, Katrina. What, after Katrina, thank you. And. I mean, half of the places that we went were still fucking just devastated. So I think this is a cool, cool topic to talk about. Why aren't we? So we did it with police departments, right? Like we know one thing, we can police these areas when shit breaks out, right? With fucking tanks and SWAT teams and pretty much anything that's available to military will be available to rural police departments. But FEMA holds all that disaster. We should be distributing that shit. That's really smart. I love that topic. I love. I just love our listeners. They're just great. You're all great. You're fucking awesome. Let's go to Twitter. I had a dog that was rescued from Hurricane Katrina. Who? Haley. I didn't She's meet. No Haley. longer with us. Did I meet Haley? No, you've never met any of my dogs. Well, there was the one you brought in. 
I've, I've met a lot of them. Oh on my Zoom. god, I forgot then about that. And there's the one that brought in. It was not. A, it it didn't work out very well. Yeah, I have in, I have three. <laughs> I have three black labs. Technically, one of them is 101's dog, who is currently uh, been residing with my parents for a short period of time. Well, let's be clear. I have a black lab, and you have lab mutts. Um, I'm not gonna be ashamed that we adopted my dog and you got Don't yours be. from a breeder okay. which is bad and you know it and You're i'm right. surprised you even admitted it because right. it's embarrassing my bad. yep um i love her, I, love her I didn't say that you shouldn't love her but there's a reason kind why of implied she's that a, i shouldn't even love her well i mean you shouldn't, she shouldn't exist she almost didn't <laughs> yeah, that's true too. and i had them first okay my dog who is my baby angel my love of my life i brought her into the office being like I can do this. Other people do it. And she just was so anxious and she just did not, she didn't do well. She's yeah. She was too old at the point, I think. And then I was like, all right, I have to take her home. This isn't working. And I cried the whole way home, but she was like so happy to be in the car. And I was like, you fucking bitch. Like I brought you all the way here. But yeah. Um, no, Haley was a golden retriever mm. and she, Love like, golden. she was so stupid. I, <laughs> I loved her so so much. she was just this big doofus mom. We got her and she was like stinky and fat, but she was so sweet. And she like, she came in the house to meet us and she just jumped on me and started like kissing my face. Cause I think we were like the same height when she was standing up cause I was oh. younger. So little my little boy. Haley. Yeah. Aren't Goldens kind of smart though? No. Are they dumb? Are they big dummies? I, I think, yeah, I think so. That's why people when like, you're like, they're like a, like a, human form of a golden retriever it's like a big doofus who's very loving and <laughs> kind loving, yeah. but not smart labs are all smart for the most part except yours because she's inbred she's not inbred are you you think she's Steve, not you think leave, she's not inbred we're out of this breeders and puppy mills they're basically the same it's thing. not a puppy mill not a puppy mill if you have to pay for your breeders are just eugenicists for dogs but then everyone's like, I want a, I want a golden doodle. And I'm like, you're getting a mutt. That's literally a mutt. We can call them designer dogs all we want, but there was a golden retriever and a poodle fucking before you paid for one. And those were mutts. The end. Twitter. Mride29. <laughs> Heel is a piece of shit and deserved an unfucking, <laughs> but Stanford isn't an Ivy League school. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah, this drove me nuts all episode. I imagine so. I'm surprised I didn't catch that. It's usually it's just one of those things I think where it's just you just hear it and you're just like, mm, and I don't know. Why haven't they expanded it? Like, why don't they just call that an MIT Ivies? I don't know. It's just, I mean, they're only they're East Coast schools that are yeah. the Ivies, but like, and I'm sure there's some other ones I'm not thinking of. Like you, Chicago, as much as we fuck with it, is just like, I mean, no, it's like one of the top five rated schools in the country on everything all the time. No, I don't care. And I turn out evilness. I think if you <laughs> have, if you don't have like a fun name, like you don't get to be like, because that just sounds like it's a state school, which it is probably, right? Technically? No, no actually. Well, not like a SUNY, but was, like. No, it was privately, remember, privately funded by Rockefeller. Yeah, but would people who live there get like in-state tuition? I don't believe so. Oh, that's fucked up. Okay. Well, they should have picked a better name, though. If it was a Rockefeller University, it would have been a better name. Right. Don't you think? Just sounds more prestigious. And I'm just talking optically. Yeah. And audibly. Totally. But like, Dartmouth, Brown, Harvard, U Chicago. So pretentious, right? And Stanford. Stanford sounds like it belongs, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm officially declaring now Stanford and Ivy. How about and that? And Berkeley. I said MIT, but that's on the East Coast also. I just yeah. wasn't thinking. Yeah, Berkeley too. Yeah, let's do Berkeley, Stanford. Where else? Rice? Mm, nah. Yeah, fuck I'll pass. Texas. Yeah. Uh, uh, Northwestern? 
Maybe. A great school, right? Who cares? But MRide29 is right. And I fucked that up. And you have my apologies. University of West Virginia will make amends to the That's people right. we offended. That's right. You're now in Ivy League. Congratulations. <laughs> Go Mountaineers. I don't even know how to say this, but Amy Edwa, a bunch of numbers, said, there's this guy, oh, Dan Prophet in Illinois. Here we go. We're, we're staying in Illinois right now. Who is the same sort of guy, but doesn't have the same power. There are many men like this. Yeah, Dan Prophet, I think, is a failed politician turned radio host conservative douchebag, but kingmaker. Uh, I don't know if he has loads and loads of cash. I wonder. Not sure if it matters. He's got a microphone, a lot of influence. So, uh, yeah, total douchebag. And Heckler511. Thanks for this episode, Max and all. Been hearing a lot about Teal. I think he's funding several media figures, too, from Greenwald to Red Scare. Your yeah. favorite person, Glenn Greenwald. Yeah, how far I've come. See, see what you do for me. See I the mean, journeys you bring me. If along? you were still defending him, like it would be bad news. It would be really bad news. He's yeah. a moron. Yep. He's, he's he's a bad guy. He's just a bad guy. Bought and paid for. I also think maybe he's mentally ill. I think he's just greedy and bought and paid for. What was the tweet? And it I drives me nuts that I fucking paid to see this guy speak once, in Lincoln Center. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So AOC in December 2020 on Antifa activists menacing politicians in public. Activists should be impolite. The whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable. AOC last night to protesters confronting her for funding Biden's proxy war. I won't answer you. You're being rude. That's what he was saying. And it's like those people were very aggressive. <laughs> Did you watch any of the videos? Well, first of all, was she was she not there to like help people with college debt? And like it was a very purposeful it was a town hall with a purpose, right? Yes. And she was, she literally said, I will answer your question. Just don't be rude to your neighbors who are lining up and have, have waited. And one during one of them, she was talking about accessibility. And so they were live streaming it with captions and an interpreter. And she was, during one of the outbursts, she was reading the question out from the person. And she was like, you are literally speaking over a person with a disability here who was trying to access this in the same way as you. And you're being so incredibly rude. Like, I will answer you. I will speak to you. Just wait. And they were like, do you, do you want nuclear war? Will you do what Tulsi Gabbard did and, and stand up? And it's just. And then what's that lady's name? Tina Forte. She's like, let me find her. Yeah, Tulsi had her big revelation that wasn't a revelation. I know this it's like week. we all done been new, lady. <laughs> Tina Forte, she is running again. Her, if you go to her website, is she running against AOC? I believe so. Oh, she's tough. Yeah, she's something else, man. Stopping radical socialists from destroying the American dream. <laughs> That's what her bio is. She is so back the blue queens. Like if you hear her talk. She's so fucking like, boom, right there. Fuck this socialist libtard. I'm going to fucking take the whole fucking place back. Meanwhile, Bobert murdered a dog, right? Yeah. Nobody cares, right? I know. Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald, I guess, just wants um, AOC's. I guess he just wants her to, to just shut up and take the criticism like a woman, right? I mean, yeah. Is that basically what he's saying? Kind of. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. And it, they, the, the Tina Forte people were trying to roast. Like, people really thought they had some hot takes. They were like, look at the, oh, there's no people here. And it's like, it's a fucking town hall. It's not a rally. 
Right. So it's a, for she's doing people, her job. It's called constituent yeah, services. It's just Fuck. people in her district showing up to hear things and to ask questions to their representative. It's not a rally. It's not like she's out there campaigning for herself. She's just, it's office hours. It's all gotcha these, politics. And these people were like, it's empty. Her social media numbers are inflated. They're bought. They're, they're you know, she pays for bots. You think she's got whatever million followers. And, and I'm like, there's 50 states. That they're not going to come to Queens or a high school. She thinks she was in the Bronx for the for that one. Like they're not going to. You're not going to come if you like her and you live in even like Jersey and you're like I like AOC. She's cool. You're not, not gonna going come. to come to that town hall. To yeah, <laughs> you're not going to come from California if you think AOC's cool. Just like I'm not going to go to Vermont and go to a Bernie like meeting when he has shit. Like why not? You should come. I'll give you mittens. Are you that there was a Terminator? I'm not sure who I'm speaking to. <laughs> um. With Teal, by the way, he does fund, we alluded to that in the piece, he funds Rumble. And Greenwald came to the defense the other day saying, he's only 2% of Rumble. He's not the blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is, he's putting his money where his activism is. And so Greenwald likes to say, stop picking on the billionaire. He's only a 2%er, but then will come against an elected official holding a town hall. I mean, he's just so fucking bought and paid for at this point. It's not even, it's not even worth, you know, giving him the time of day, sadly. And I just, it, it makes me not mad, but sad to know like where he came from and what his potential was in doing a lot of that work back in, you know, with the, uh, in the Snowden days and the surveillance state. I mean, he had such a strong lane, but he just, he had to stay in front of the cameras and he just couldn't give it up. It's a, it's a shame. It is what it is. Anyway. Medic Mike 18B and Seventh Son 6 shared a New York Times article that dropped right after the episode titled Peter Thiel, major U.S. political donor, is said to pursue Maltese citizenship. The only message I have to that 99, honestly, is good fucking riddance. You're not paying taxes here anyway. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, but he would leave and he would still fun people just like that, that guy who in the Bahamas what the which guy who was funding someone like the dark oh, the crypto dude yeah, yeah. I, I think so so that yeah, would yeah. it wouldn't you know nothing changes nothing no. changes he's not paying taxes now he's not going to pay him if he goes there and and he's I don't know I don't even know what kind of gambit this is because the guy's fucking got five billion dollars sitting in your fucking Roth IRA you god I can't even say any of the words I want to say anymore do you know that I, have to, I need. Because they're a, canceled. Yes, I need a whole new insult vocabulary. You're say cocksucker. Oh, that's bad because he's gay. Yep. <laughs> I didn't. Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess it does become a slur. It does. It does. Mm. I need a. Can you help me? You need a non a, gen, a gender neutral cocksucker. Yeah, like you know, I've I've done Fucking. you know fuck stick and fuck nugget and all that kind of stuff. I have special words reserved for Milton Friedman, but I think I need a new I need a new vocabulary, an insult vocabulary that really packs a punch, but also doesn't shame at the same time. Duty head. I mean, come on. It's come on. funny. It's funny to call people duty heads. Sometimes I just don't want to be funny about it. I really want to mm, pack like, that. Like, don't you think calling punch. people duty heads is like whoa? Like, <laughs> you call me a duty head? You could have said fuck, and you called me a duty head. Uh. A little bit. Yeah, I mean... About fucking duty head. <laughs> this sounds like such a playground insult. You fucking duty head. That's what he is. Why don't we call people... He's just a... I like twat. Can I say that? No. I, I, that's out? 
I mean, I think technically men aren't. It's like a. What if I was British? Then you could say it, but it's right. twit. It's twit. You can say, I can say the the c word. You can't right. technically. Unfuckers, if you don't mind, uh, you can do this Call on him social. A scrotum. You can, yeah, you wrinkled up scrotum. You gotta add some some color. To you that always too. make it gross though. Right. Call him smelly. You know what? Unfuckers, please help me. Send your suggestions in through social. You can email them to us. Whatever. I uh, just need some really, really powerful, good insults that it's, don't shame. We want to okay? be insulting. We just don't want to. We don't want to not affirm someone's gender. We don't want to make fun of their sexuality. Give we don't want to be racist. Give us the best woke insults. We, yeah, we, we need. Yeah, we need sanitized insults that like, are offensive, offensive yeah. but not problematic. Right. That a, that a basic white guy can get away with. What about you, stupid, fucking lizard person? I mean, come on. What? Are you what, you were afraid to offend the lizard people? We know people that believe in the lizard people. Do That's we? That's very offensive. Do we know people? Yeah, of course. Oh. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Really? Be careful. I don't that. believe yeah. that. Okay. I've had some great conversations about that. They're smarter than that. Of course they are, but they also like to tease. Well, yeah, that's different. Okay. Let's go on. Well, Knudsen is unfortunately having a setback with the victory he Of course had. he is. Uh, yeah, because, you know, America. So at UW Oshkosh's newest plan to make the custodial department fail gives higher raises to the people who failed us most, supervisors. At UWO Chancellor Andrew Levitt, leave it. Leave it. <laughs> um, why did you put finance people and the failed supervisors in charge of fixing what they purposefully destroyed? And Knudsen shared a link to that, and it's on his Twitter. And then he tweeted at the university and said, I'm officially declaring my intention to create a labor union with full collective bargaining rights. Act 10 is unconstitutional, and therefore I ignore it. I am a labor organizer. So we support you, Knudsen. Okay, so unfuckers, kind of important here. This is where the work needs to get done, and we are only capable of putting a spotlight on this particular issue. We did have some success, I would say, in supporting Bob's initiative to be treated fairly and not be outsourced as a department. But, you know, power will always find a way to to steal power from beneath. And it looks like they've just kind of switched their tactics. We are not affirmed organizers. So to the extent that we have some listeners that are very good at this, that are capable, and you feel like offering some advice uh, or some support, some tactics and a playbook to make sure that Bob is protected, but also effective in his in his efforts here, what's the best way? Well, first of all, if you go to Unfuckers at all, you can get to Knutson. You can add him on Twitter. You can you can find him through social media. We've, you know, he's prominent enough within the unfucking community. So if you have some experience, not just like, hey, behind you, support, like DM him directly and say, I've got you. Let's create a blueprint and let's see if we can't uh, get him some support. Yeah, maybe organizing some sort of, I mean, I know letter writing campaigns aren't always effective if no one reads them, but Knudsen works there. So he might, he might have the inside scoop and what are uh, what are friends for if not to support each other? So yeah, we're all but, pod friends, and uh, but it, you know if he really wants to organize, like officially organize, 
Uh, he's putting himself out there as a target. Before those things come together, he can be he can be officially targeted. Uh, so it would be great to get some some support to make sure that he's supported to do the work going forward without being excised. Yeah. All right. Over on Instagram at 504bshot said Louisiana could be transformed if they see a man like Gary Chambers beat a man like John Kennedy. I know this is a distant dream, but Mr. Chambers has been hitting the pavement hard and rallying people with the message of humanity. He's unapologetically honest and authentic. So 504 uh, was just looking at some 538s before this, and it looks like Kennedy has a commanding lead in the polls, like dozens and dozens of points outside of the margin of error. If I'm reading that incorrectly, please let me know. I, I did see Kennedy put out some notices that he's falling behind in polling. I assume that's just a fundraising tactic on his side, and that's that because that's just what both sides do throughout a campaign is they try to make it seem like it's closer than it is uh, when they're blowouts to raise money. But Gary Chambers sounds like a very interesting candidate. I do not know much about him. So uh, if anybody else out there in Louisiana feels the same about Gary Chambers and wants to uh, promote his candidacy, by all means, get after it. Now, getting into coffee donations before we round this out today. The first one is from Simba, who is now a member. Simba heeding the call that we have during our fall trifecta raiser to raise some funds, some friends, and some hell. We're raising hell around two specific candidates, of course. First candidate is Summer Lee in Pennsylvania's 12th, and the other is running at large as a senator from the great state of Wisco, trying to take out Rojo, and that's Mandela Barnes. So more to come on them this week. But heeding that call to become a member and support us financially is Simba. Well, since this is now available and I was amongst the first to sign up, I feel like I should be amongst the first to use this method to upgrade. So 99 last week, talked about enabling the feature on buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR that allows people to upgrade or downgrade their memberships as they see fit, depending upon their personal financial situation. Previously, you had to cancel it and then restart it if you wanted to go up or down. Now you can just do it within your same platform. So grateful to them for including that within the platform itself. So Simba was early on, was an early adopter on the show, became a member and now has upgraded it. So thank you for that. Jill of Arc is now a member. Figured it was about time to start supporting one of my fave podcasts. Keep up the good, hard, and much-needed work. Thank you, Jill of Arc. And Bo Riston is now a member. Thanks for all you do, for deeply engaging the topics that need it, for always providing much-needed historical perspective on all topics, for the intelligent and perceptive analysis of topics, and carrying the progressive banner forward. Proud to support your mission. Thank you, Bo Riston, for becoming a member. April, I bought three coffees. Max, 99, and Manny. Fucking love this show. Each of you are such an important part of broadening our minds. A big ass thank you and much love. Oh, and FMF. Hashtag FMF. Yeah, we haven't said that in a long time. FMF. And Hrund J bought five coffees. Hi. I'd like to sponsor you, but because I live in Iceland, I can't get coffee, so I bought two shirts. Awesome. Didn't find you on Patreon. We're not there. We're on buymeacoffee.com, but you can get to all of our links if you go to unftr.com. Just click on all of the links there. But hey, you guys, I fucking love you guys. And I know this podcast has to be on YouTube and in schools. Someday we'll be on YouTube in full form. That's down the road. No, I and don't know. That's that's a promise that I'm not willing to keep. Someday. You're going to transcribe every episode? I said someday. Okay. But yeah, you say that and people will be like, well, that means if we use the max estimation, it'll be like two years. It'll be. I don't think so. It could be. Okay. Yeah. If you're willing to invest in that, I will 
Unfuckers know how to read between the lines and who who tells the truth. Okay. Jeez. Well, there's a lot of words. Well, I was going to say someday on YouTube, but probably not in schools. Fine. Okay. I actually think we would be in schools before YouTube. Now you're just being Peter Thiel. I'm not. I mean now it. you're just being a contrarian. I mean it. How the fuck would we get into schools before? On YouTube, we could just appear on YouTube. Well, I'm not saying you that, already like, made the channel. that there would be like, okay, now tune into this episode. And, but it would be like, here's a lesson from a podcast called UNFTR. Using called the, Unfucking the Republic. No, the sanitized school children. So she now we have to sanitize everything? She said schools. College-age kids can hear the word fuck. They can. So. They can. I'm sure we have professors who are already. If somebody wants to teach us in schools, that's one thing. I don't think we're going to bring our curriculum to schools. No, I think teachers would bring our curriculum to schools is what. Okay, that's fair. I don't think that's going to happen before YouTube. Disagree. We'll be on YouTube <laughs> next week, folks. There you go. Okay, and my resignation is coming in six days. You know how days. I know that already? Because we're already on YouTube. Well, fine, I guess, technically, but we're you not You know how I know that? Because 99 did that. Yeah, but I'm just... You did that. I know, I'm just Ha-ha. trying... Hey, do you want to tell on fuckers, by the way, that uh, we can't have our vanity handle yet? Oh, yeah. the We had a call to action a while ago about getting enough subscribers so we could get youtube.com slash UNFTR, but they are rolling out a new system of handles instead of URLs, so we have to wait till they're done. So, you know, of course. But uh, soon we'll have that. And we'll need that because we're going to be on YouTube someday. And we're going to be at school.com slash UNFTR. (laughs) Love you all. We'll catch you. uh, We'll catch you when we catch you. I hope you enjoy the the shorter things that we're doing this week. And again, we'll be back the following week with something a little more in-depth and true to unfucking form.